You're listening to the Tooth Sleuth Podcast. Hosted by Greg Essenmacher. Welcome to the Tooth Sleuth Podcast, all about the business of dentistry. My name is Greg Essenmacher, your host. Although I'm not a dentist, I've been known to play one over your favorite listening devices. On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Holland Haas. She's a workplace strategist, executive leadership coach, sought-after speaker, and author. Holland helps individuals and organizations with behavior-based solutions to improve communication, increase retention, and boost employee engagement while transforming culture, leaders, and the workplace. These strategies translate to increased revenue, resiliency, and relationship ROI. Holland was named one of 100 global thought leaders, along with Suze Orman, Deepak Chopra, and Brendan Burchard. Holland is often seen on and in CNN, ABC, Fox News, CBS, NBC, CNBC, Fast Company Inc., Thrive Global, The Ladders, and Cosmopolitan. She's also the founder of Stand Up to Lead, an organization that supports and empowers women in leadership. So welcome so much, Holland. All those acronyms. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, thank you. You for- certainly do spend some time. That's amazing. I was getting through the list. I read it before. I'm thinking, is there anyone that's not on that list? Oh. And I can't think of a one. So where where so- haven't you been? <laughs> it's so great to be here. Thank you. There's, there are so many more we could add to the list. I would love to add more to the list, but for later, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, I'm so excited for our listeners to have you on today and for them to hear all about you. I, I know you've worked with you know a lot of dentists and physician-owned practices. So I've got to ask, how did you get into this specialized area? You know, are you a dentist, a physician? Tell me about your story. Oh, gosh. Well, no, I'm not a dentist uh, or a physician, although at times I, I kind of feel like that, right? When we really learn these practices and their languaging and and and, and what they need to do and what they've gone through. Um, for me, it was a, a little bit of a circuitous route. So I started out in HR at a law firm. And I worked on shifting the culture there and creating cohesive leadership amongst the senior partners in the practice. I saw a lot of, uh, you, you know, redundancy of tasks, which means you're losing time, effort, energy, and you, and the bottom line, right? It really makes an impact. And, and, um, so I, I, I worked there for a few years and I, I did as much as I could possibly do. And, and during that time, I myself was transitioning. I was, developing and growing and also realizing I wanted to be more of an entrepreneur. I didn't really want to clock in and clock out under the umbrella of someone else's company all the time. I I wanted to, to lead my own company. So I started a consulting practice where I was transitioning physicians out of hospitals into private practice. And so I had physicians who were in all the varying specialties, if you will, OBGYNs and urologists and cardiologists and neurologists. And, and, and so it seems that in my experience, almost everyone who is a physician 
is married to, related to, has a best friend who is a dentist. <laughs> and <laughs> that so, is true. <laughs> right? And so what happened was this, this skill set that I was, uh, again, helping physicians to think of marketing and uh, business strategies a, l- a little different and leading a little differently. And did they want to be innovators? And did they want to be influencers? And what did that look like to them? And the professional development of their team and all these different areas of, of business that are, that are all needed and so useful. I kind of took that, that skill set and I just picked up that blueprint and I did an overlay for dental practices and, and really started learning, you know, and there, there's a lot of similarity and, and synergy between whether it's physician or, or, or dentists. And so I really started to learn the languaging and again, what their pain points were and what they, you know, saw as success and, um, how they wanted to develop and did they want to be a DOS and, you know, what, what all of this looked like for them. And so started getting, uh, again, a lot of clients in that space as, as well. So while I, uh, have never, gone to school for any of that. It's interesting how when you really immerse yourself and and you know this, Greg, when you really immerse yourself in a specific culture, a specific group of, of people and their specialty, you really pick up so much. And there's in a way you start strategically thinking a little differently for that particular field. Well, that is so true. And just like when you want to learn a new language, right? If you want to pick up a second or a third language that isn't your native tongue, they talk about immersion is the best way to do that. Drop them into a scenario where that's the only language spoken. There are other ways, but that is the best way. And you talked about, right, to learn their language and you become an adopter of that language, of that culture, of that style. And that's amazing. So I I, want to hone in on one area and and take it in a little bit different direction. So our listeners, right? My listeners, our listeners, they really fall into two major categories. They're either the entrepreneurs that you speak of, and you know we can talk about that and and talk to them. But the others are those that actually work with uh, the entrepreneurs, whether they're working for manufacturers or considering or already are on their own as consultants or considering or thinking about. And you made that transition quite a while ago, right? And you and I have had some conversation about this. Talk to me about what that looks like and what are some of the the, the fears? What are some of the obstacles to overcome what that step looks like? What are some of those steps that could help maybe some of those listeners on that side of the listening audience? Because I think that could be very valuable to our listeners. Yeah, well... I think first of all, if you are, if you want to be an entrepreneur or you already are an entrepreneur and you're ready to level up and, and, and really take it to that next step, we need to know ourselves first and foremost. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I was very clear what I was good at when I was at the law firm and what I needed to develop that I felt I could be good or great at. And then there were certain areas where I just knew, was it not my sweet spot? It was something I wasn't really even interested in. I didn't even like it. And, and so really being clear and honest with yourself to not be the expert in every single thing, but to really 
learn to, so first knowing yourself and really sitting down and doing an evaluation and do, do the pen to paper because I did that. You know, what was I great at? What was I good at? What was I fair at? What did I stink at? And then <laughs> why, why did I stink at that? Did I stink at that because I wasn't giving it time, effort, energy, or did I stink at it because it's just something I'm not interested in? I don't care about it. And so leave that for someone else who's really amazing at it. So you've got to be willing to, to be honest with yourself because it's hard as an entrepreneur to be honest with your clients if you can't be honest and reflect within yourself. So that's really step one. Would, do you, do you agree with that? And I'm sure have you sussed it out like that too, Greg? So a hundred percent. And it just brought back a memory. I worked with the client just last month and it was not only with self, uh, but it was with a practice and working with practices. It's same thing. Uh, are the individuals uh, fulfilled in the role that they're in? And if they are, is it, is it a training concern? Is it, is it want or is it will, right? So do they, do they want more training? Is there a will or a skill issue, right? If it's a will, do they have the will to do it or is it skill that they need more skill in that area? And you have to identify that. And that's the same thing with self and that self-honesty. And I think that's so critical to do because there are certain areas that I, I don't have a desire to and I don't want to put the time, energy and effort into doing. But there's other areas that I'm really good at naturally, you know, the, the sales aspect, the, the marketing aspect of a practice to help them to get to the next level for double digit growth. That's an area that I really thrive in. And you you and I have had this conversation. So that self-assessment, knowing self and the self-honesty, right? It, and that takes vulnerability and it comes through when you're working with others because then it gives them the permission to be the same with you. So I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it's interesting. We often think that we, you know, and again, I want to just shout out to all of you that are following Greg and what he's doing with this amazing podcast and that you're listening to this now and, and just know that, it's, we all know it's not the easiest of journeys. What I want to share with you though, is even people that you admire and you look at in whatever position they're at, they're, they're in, they do this as well. They, they have these moments of truth and they, they really have to strip down. What are they great at? What are they good at? And again, that will versus skill. I just worked with a fortune 500 company, their senior leaders and their C-suite. We did a, a two day offsite. And at the end of the offsite, as we were kind of recapping what they were going to bring back to their teams, and these are people that are running, you know, this isn't teams of 10 they're running. It's like, you know, 200 or 250 on, on each of their teams. Um, and, and so as they were realizing what they, they could strongly and with conviction and they had really gotten it and they're like, this is my sweet spot and I can bring this back to my team and I will work on this for myself. And as we were really looking at the the building blocks. And then there came this piece of they've got these directors who will need to have additional training. And it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of professional development so that they can help these senior leaders carry more of the water, if you will. And, and at the end, um, the CEO said, you know, Holland, this is great in theory. And we've all got what we're going to be able to do. And it's a baby step. We need this bigger piece over here. And so we are not, we don't do this training. We don't do professional development. This is, so we need to talk to you about how do we work with you to help us complete this second piece. And so 
I, I share this story because knowing, you know, the greats, the CEOs, the COOs, the senior leaders, they know when they can take on a project and that they are going to have a hundred percent success with, with that small team that's around them. And then they know when something is much bigger, that is, it is for the, the benefit of the entire organization and the company is going to grow exponentially. And they also know that it is not their sweet spot. And cause they realize, you know, they don't, they don't do professional development. They don't do facilitation. They don't do this piece that they need for that next part. They need me. And so don't feel that you are a failure. If you've got to reach out and ask for help and support, I share this story with you because here are these people making a lot of money. They're, I mean, their, their careers. I look at them and they're through the stratosphere in comparison to me. However, they have a different skill set and they bring a different value to the business and the world. And I bring a different value to business and the world. And so they need my help on that next step. I'm going to need their help. And so ask for help. That's really that second piece is don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid once you've really sussed out where your spark and your juice and your enthusiasm is. Now you're going to need other folks. You know, I need, I need to reach out to Greg for, for certain things that he's just better at me and he's going to be better than me. How amazing is it to know that I have this safety net of reaching out to Greg in the world and other people that then can support me and fill in those, those areas that I'm, I can't provide a hundred percent to a client, but not only do I look amazing as I provide someone, someone else and they can, they can fill in with me and partner. Now it, it again helps the organization. So the client wins as well. So learn to ask for help. It's critical to your success. I, I think that's so important. And what you're sharing in that example is taking it from passion into practice. So the group that you're talking about, and it happens so often that a group, an individual, an owner of a dental practice, whatever the case may be, gets really passionate about something and they want to make it happen. You know, an individual does that with career change or identity or a, a dentist with wanting to grow their practice or add another practice or if it's a group practice of expansion or whatever the case may be. They have that passion, but then putting it into practice, that's the essential gap, that step that they need, and you're talking about it as asking for help. What, what I've heard so much as well is it's about outsourcing and having the right resources for that. Certain things, absolutely, that the individual can do and knowing yourself and knowing what you can do, and then for the other and the rest, find the experts, find those that are really good at it and passionate about that subject matter and be willing to allow them to take the wheel and drive it in that direction. And that's where finding the right resources. And that's something that I've learned over the years, right? And continue to learn, not have learned, right? Let me correct my language. Am learning and continue to learn, right? And that's what it's all about in the connection, uh, especially in, in dental. It, it's it's a field that as I continue on, I've, I've been in the field for 15 years now, it continues to get smaller, because the connections just continue to deepen and, and I meet more individuals. It's fantastic. I, I love that. And so l let me ask you, 
right? So you, you work in the field, you work with varying sizes of practices all over. So tell me working with those groups, right? Different groups, different sizes. When it comes to, you know, helping them to identify and they get passion and you're trying to look at that gap, tell me a little bit about the resistance that you might run into or that they have or challenges that they have with making some of those changes in the implementation of change. Oh, well, so, so here's where I, I always like to say that, um, you know, very often I'm asked, what do I really do? And what I really do, I like to say is I, I really do people. I really can get into the brains. I, I, I have that behavioral psychology piece behind me and I'm, uh, use a lot of neuroscience and, you know, it doesn't matter what clothes we wear and what job we go to, what career we have. It doesn't matter if you're a dentist. It doesn't matter if you're the office manager there. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of Apple. None of that matters at the end of the day when it comes to the theory and the idea and the practice around change. We are all human beings and our brains are wired, you know, to protect us, right? We, we are, our brains are created that when we are afraid of something, we're going to protect ourselves, even if it's not in our best interest, right? Something familiar that we will do a pattern that we will fall back into doing, even though we say, you know, Greg, this doesn't work for me. And, you know, I, I tried to open up that second practice and it's not working as well as the first. And I don't know what's wrong. And, you know, I might say, or you might say, well, you know, it's a different, it's a different group of people and you've got to shift some of the ideas. You've got to change a few things here. Well, but wait a second. This is what I know. This is what works. This is what keeps me safe. And so there is always that resistance from human beings. And what I find is I have to help them to crack that shell. I have to help them to understand. And I always come at it from the positioning of this is what your brain is doing. This is why your brain is doing it. And here's how we can make change. Here's how you can shift. And then looking into what has triggered them to want to stay in that place to be safe, even though they know that's not the best place to be for growth and development. Uh, so understanding, they understand those triggers and then helping them to find an anchor so they can anchor into, again, moving forward, changing that, that action, that behavior, which will, will change a, an outcome. Yeah, that, that's so true. And I always like to use the phrase, they'll fall back into familiar it's yeah. not necessarily comfortable. So absolutely. And that, yeah. is, that is a big piece that, that does happen. So, so tell me, having helped to build so many successful practices, what, what are some of those biggest pitfalls that you experience with dentists or that dentists experience, I should say, uh, that they might not realize that they're stepping into, you know, ruin, if you will, or stepping into some of those pitfalls? What in your experience have you seen? I, I think one of the the biggest pitfalls that that dentists can can have as as well as as many others is we tend to it's interesting a lot of people 
don't understand the nuances of the business side financially. So they don't always understand the loans. They don't always understand looking at a tax return. They don't always understand going into QuickBooks and very often don't even know how. I can't tell you how many dentists I have worked with who the very basics of of going into QuickBooks and really understanding their projections for this year and where they were last year and what salaries are and are are they up 10%, are they up 30%. All of that is very scary. And, and again, most, most people have, have not been taught. We, we have not done a good job in, in this country, in the U.S., really being comfortable about talking about money, about really setting up what those projections can be, about really understanding our numbers and what our numbers need to be, what we need to put back into the practice for growth, what we need to be taking out, how we need to be protecting ourselves uh, again, whether we set up, you know, 401ks or PSPs. And so it seems to be an area that can be the easiest place where someone can, can run into ruin. Because if you don't really know what's going on financially within your practice, then how do you know if you are being embezzled, how do you know where it doesn't make any sense that some, you know, some of your office expenses that normally were $200 a month every month are now $3,000 a month. And you had no idea because you're not, you're not watching that. Right. And so that's one of the, the biggest pieces that I see that's almost a disconnect is that you've got to be familiar enough. I'm not saying go become a CPA. It's not what I'm saying at all. I want you, and I always encourage, and I help all of my dentists to really get comfortable with at least looking at the numbers, looking at spreadsheets, understanding to a certain degree their tax returns so that they really start to see their business in a very different way. You know, that's, it's fascinating. It it really is to hear that and and a little shocking. And I'm sure for some of our listeners, I I can, I can just see a percentage of, you know, the the dentist (laughs) side, the entrepreneur side saying, she is absolutely crazy. No way. I know my numbers, but I, I, I have some personal experience with this. So a, a good friend of mine who I consider very intelligent, very in tune. So went through a situation, I'll try to stay very general, went through a situation where, you know, a number of years ago, uh, went through a divorce and he kept the practice and she took everything else. And he built that practice up significantly and it's a thriving practice. And then had a situation that you mentioned, right, with embezzlement a couple of years ago. And it, it was shocking. It was shocking to him. It was shocking to me. And I thought, how did how do you let that happen? But like you said, right? So, so how did you know? How does someone find the time to do all this? Right? They're, they've got to be an HR person, right? They have to hire the right people. They're dealing with most recently with you know all the health situation with COVID, and do you stay open? And how do you find the right staff? Staff are hard to find, and then it's growth. And what marketing company to use? What do you outsource? And I have to have self awareness. And do I grow? What do I add? Do I offer this service? Do I? You, how do they find the time for all this? That, that is such a great question. And, and, and here's what I want 
you know, again, I want your dentists and everyone listening today to think about this a little differently. You won't have a marketing budget. You can't grow. You, you can't con- take any courses. You can't, you can't, you can't unless there is the funding, the finances, the money behind it to, to do that. And so first and foremost, you really do have to roll up your sleeves as uncomfortable as it is. And again, there are, there are a lot of cultural issues. I I deal with a lot of, uh, uh, again, dentists from, from different cultures. And and again, money can almost be dirty, uh, at times. And so we've got to, again, take these preconceived notions and ideas completely off the table You've got to come at this from fresh eyes. And, and this is, again, I help so many clients do this, that first and foremost, you have to know your numbers. I have two dentists right now, a little similar, but, but a little different, um, where they're splitting up and they cannot get along. And after 10 years, they're just deciding that it is over. And one, uh, I said, okay, you got to figure out the number and who's going to buy out whom. And okay, that was easy. And then person A said, this is my number. And person B said, I'll pay that number. And then person A said to me, I made it too low and I'm going to increase it. And then person B said, well, you know (laughs) what? I really want this and I would have paid more. So I'll pay B. And I was like, wait a second, hold on, you know, and so (laughs) this was going back and forth. I I mean, crazy again, but this was going back and forth. And again, our egos get involved and it's about winning. And the number that was settled on, I said, you realize what this is going to take for you to recoup this. You realize, have you done the math? And she was like, no, I I mean, I think in a year or so I was like, Oh, you're not even close. You're not even close. This is, you are overpaying three times. So we got to step back and thank goodness they hadn't gone to contract or anything. So again, very often we tend to look at, Oh, we're making X you know, it's like an EBITDA number and we forget that there's so much that is deducted from that number that what do you really have at the end of the day that you can turn around and devote to marketing? What can you turn around and devote to, you know, hiring, uh, you know, growing your team or hiring uh, a consultant like you or myself? Like, what does that really look like? And so, You've, you've got to understand how to, as I often say, massage the numbers where you can give a little to take a little. Uh, and then at the same time, you've got to be looking at what you need to take home and you need to take out of the business as well. And people feel so often, well, I've been making this consistently and it's a good number. And I always say, yes, look at what the business is doing. It's increasing you also should be increasing, right? It's the way business works. Like you, you should be increasing your salary as well. You're not. So there's a, there's, there's something that's not adding up. And we found to, to your point, again, this is a a separate example, but there, there was embezzlement. And so it's the numbers. And so you start really small, Greg, you know, it's, it's, you sit down with your bookkeeper, maybe two hours a week, and or an hour a week, or you, you, you sit down with your accountant and you say, Hey, I want to understand this. Walk, walk me through some of these numbers because without understanding the financial piece, how can you understand what kind of marketing plan you want? There, you know, there are three different tiers. Everyone costs a different price. You have no idea what you can afford and what is practical for the business at this moment. 
Right. And that's so critical, right? To know what you have and know what you can invest in and looking at what it's worth to invest in for sure. What you're worth and then what the practice is worth and understanding those numbers. That is very sage advice. Thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of that. Okay. So Holland, this is the point of the podcast that it's a running segment and I know you've listened. So you're ready for it. What the sleuth is going on? Three questions, rapid fire. First thing that comes out, out into your mind when I ask you the question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. What's the worst bad breath you've ever encountered? <laughs> okay. So this is really not planned and it's the total truth. It was from a dentist, very, very high end dentist <laughs> in New York City. Um, I mean, so high end that I found him in People Magazine and called and said, hi, I have some crooked bottom teeth and I, you fix all the movie stars. And at that time I was going to be a movie star, uh, story for another time. And I went to see him and I, I was like, I don't under, like, is it me? Is it like, uh, it must be, I thought it was me. And when he turned around at one point, I did that thing where you blow into your hand and you smell your own <laughs> breath because you're thinking I'm so embarrassed. And it was him. <laughs> <laughs> Do not name names. We will bleep it out. Please do not do it for the sake of my podcast. Okay. Question number two. If you could change one thing about your smile, what would it be? Well, I would love to have um, braces. I think I would love to do braces, but I'm not going to do it. But that's what I would do. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's lots of opportunity out there. My son is actually getting married in November and he's in braces right now to move some teeth around. So he's going to, those, those pictures are forever. So he's, <laughs> he's going through the process now. Okay. Question number three, if you could go back and be the inventor of any dental product, which one would you choose and why? I would choose, it's so simple. I know it, it's so, I would choose braces and I would choose braces in a way that is, is this, I love the Invisalign and I, and, and well, what that's doing. And I love the, uh, uh, so separate, but I love, I love what they're doing now with braces and then how they have the different steps. What I would have liked is when I was younger, the way my teeth were in, if I would have gotten braces, my top was perfect, my bottom wasn't. And if I made room for my bottom to fit, my top would have had spaces. So I would have created something so you don't have spaces on the top of your teeth that it would it would be equal and perfect. And I don't know how you'd do that, but I would figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, Helen, thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure having you on. And for all of our listening audience, you know, it, it's amazing that just some of the basic points of know yourself, ask for help. And for all of you out there, I don't, even if you're not a dentist, know your numbers, e even for your own personal finances, know your numbers, know what's going in and out. If you don't have a personal budget, trust me, track it just for a couple of months. It will shock you and it will change the way you spend money. Ask me how I know. And so Holland, how would individuals get a hold of you? Because I want people to know if they do want to reach out to you, how would they get in touch with you, Holland? Yeah, so the, the two easiest ways are going through my website, and that's really easy. It is my name, Holland Haas, so it's H-O-L-L-A-N-D-H-A-I-I-S, -I -I like Sam, so double L's in Holland, double I's in Haas.com. 
So real easy. You can go through my website or you can find me on LinkedIn. Those are the, the two places that people reach out to me the most. So uh, I hope to hear from, from some of you and I hope you've gained wisdom from today. And thank you so much, Greg. This was so much fun. Absolutely. And for our listeners, of course, you'll be able to see how to spell her name when you uh, went to the podcast <laughs> and found it. So thank you for making sure you had the spelling. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Holland. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Tooth Sleuth Podcast. If you're a dentist and interested in learning more on how to grow your business, reach out to our show at toothsleuth2021 at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or hanging out on your nearest street corner where there seems to be a dental practice everywhere you look. Signing off for now, I'm Greg Estenmacher. I thank you for your time and the pleasure of your company. And remember to keep smiling. This podcast was produced by T-Door Productions. Theme song written by The Whole Other.